Welcome to Entrepreneurhood, where we break entrepreneurship down into three simple pillars, business, lifestyle, and motivation. Our goal is to use our personal experiences as industry leaders to guide and inspire young entrepreneurs to see the lesson in every challenge, because we understand that companies don't succeed, people do. Now, welcome the leaders of Entrepreneurhood, Lakeham and KB. Welcome to the neighborhood. You got your boy Lay Kim in the building, and I got my brother KB in the building with me. We on episode 35, and we decided to name this one The Power of One. KB and I, we've been talking about how we feel like sometimes entrepreneurs keep saying, I only have one employee, I only have one client, or I only got one sale. But our motto is, so what? One employee or one sale is all you need to build a dynasty. KB, he's going to let y'all know the quote of the day and let y'all know why we decided to choose this episode. KB, what's the quote of the day? One day or day one is your decision. And this is said by an unknown figure. I think this quote is all about clarifying your goals. Your dreams can come true one day or you can start working on them today. It's up to you. And like you were saying earlier, like the main reason we chose this episode, because we know how it is to be an entrepreneur when we feel like everything is going wrong. But however, all you need is one person to enter your business and change your perspective. This one person can give you momentum and propel you to heights that you never even achieved before. One client, one customer, one employee is all you need to start the foundation of your brand. The best built houses are made by one brick at a time. Yep. And the best built businesses are made by servicing one client at a time. Mm-hmm. So please, guys, do not underestimate the power of one. It's so easy for our entrepreneurs to take for granted the idea that, yo, I only got one of this or I got one of that. And I think that one person, one client, man, it makes a world of a difference. And I just want to attack this myth so our entrepreneurs they don't take that for granted. Yeah, one is better than none. What you always say, you say zero <laughs> times zero is what? Oh, nothing times nothing equals nothing. <laughs> Yo, and that's a fact. And I think that's why it's so important to don't take it for granted, man. So what KB and I did was we came up with three problems that we think we hear a lot of entrepreneurs, they say, and we're going to let y'all know what these problems are. And KB and I are going to share some of our experiences of how we relate to these problems. KB, what's the first problem we got? I only have one. I only have one employee. I only have one client. I only have one sale. And that's not enough. That's what a lot of people say when they're in business and they're trying to build. And they basically are complaining about this one person that they have on their side. It's easy to overlook that, but that one person is what it takes to change. And Or that one person could cause a big change, I should say. And uh, yeah, man, I think I've definitely heard some people, even in my industry, say that you only got one of this or one of that. And I'm like, bro, it's going to be okay, man. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. My client's like, I only lost one pound. I'm like, that's better than gaining one pound. (laughs) You got to look on the bright side of things, especially when you're in business. If you're not looking on the bright side, then who is going to look up for you? Yeah, that's a fact. And the second problem we have is, I tried that once and it didn't work. When entrepreneurs say that, man, they're allowing one experience when they probably didn't have any experience to derail them from making their next move. And we want to attack this one because I've heard this repeated a lot in business. Yeah. And this is for people that that have to be in the beginning stages because as an entrepreneur, there's going to be so many pitfalls and setbacks. 
So you crying about the first punch in the face, you have a long road ahead of you. That's a fact. And I want entrepreneurs to be like, yo, man, I don't care if it didn't work. Like, I think you said it multiple times and we've heard multiple entrepreneurs say it. It's not that I failed. I just found out another way it didn't work. And I feel like only it takes a certain type of entrepreneur to go through something to be able to look at it like that. So I think this problem is definitely relevant. The third problem is I did that once but I'm not sure if I could do that again. Now, I get this. And this is for people who have accomplished big milestones and they look at all the hard work that they put in. And it's like, how can I do that again? For example, like a woman with pregnancy, like, yo, I went through that for nine months. <laughs> I'm going to do this again. And you just got to look at the beauty of it. It's easy to say for a man perspective. <laughs> Let me just clarify that. But just you got to look at the beauty of it, of the process. And it's going to be ugly process. But when the baby comes out, everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. <laughs> and then they go do it right again. They go do it right back again. The biggest thing that I like about this problem, man, is I think this one is more for like the one hit wonders or like when someone feel like they only could do it once. And my philosophy is, man, if I did something once, I probably could figure out how to do it again if I really want to. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like in business, man, I don't really believe in too much luck. I believe in, yo, like skill, like being diligent and being persistent. And I think that's why I always feel like if I accomplish something, chances are I could do it again. Yeah, you have that confidence from the experience. And I think that's what you have to play off. You can't go based off how hard it was because everything is going to be hard. Let's jump into some of our experiences, bro, because I feel like I want to see what's been some of your experience. Like, I want to know how has the power of one affected you and how have you been able to overcome some of these things? So what's the first experience you got? Nah, I said, all I need is one mic. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what pushed me in the beginning, bro. The beginning stage of entrepreneurhood is will always humble you. And I remember having two clients a week and only one of them actually paying me. The other one was getting it for free? You got to make sure you're good. <laughs> so that's another important thing is my mission was to help one person lose weight and or help person get in shape. I know if I could prove myself by helping one person, it would increase my value. So at that point in time, my only risk was using my time. So it's like, I'll train you for free because if I help you, then I know I can you know, lead other people. And I have to prove myself that what I'm telling you is the right thing. And I, one thing I learned is that a lot of people try to skip that step. They try to just think, oh, just because I know you or just because you say you could do some things, you should come spend money on my business. You should buy my products or my services. And that's why in the beginning, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to train people for free so I can find out if I'm good or not. And find out what I'm telling them is actually working. Because just because I changed my body don't mean I could change somebody else's. So, you know, that's why I, was like, I just need to help one person. And sure enough, me helping that one person led to many other people. What I led to one person, I led to another person. Now I have multiple people. Now I have multiple body types. Now I got to figure out new systems for these different body types. It's just a bigger responsibility. But I think when you start off and begin, especially when you fresh start your business, you got to be willing to give, do stuff for free. And you got to be appreciative about that one person that you have. So how long were you giving your services away for free? Because I don't want our entrepreneurs to be like, <laughs> yo, KB said to do it for free. And then next thing they're doing it free for a whole year. I went from free to being a $6 trainer, Uber <laughs> trainer. So you could tell my algorithm was off a little bit, but <laughs> I fixed it up in a couple of years. <laughs> 
I would say it's based on your discretion. If you feel like you're giving value and, it, and the people are giving feedback from your services, then I think you should use that as leverage. Like, all right, I think I'm onto something. But don't jump out the gate and just do something for free. Then you charge and charge $200, $300 as people that's been doing it for years because you're not at that level yet. And I think that's people get you know caught up and they let the ego get to them. And they just so money hungry. Like, I got to make money. Yes, you got to make money, but you got to give value first before you can actually make money. Wow. And then do you feel like you had a client that you built with from like the beginning stages that's like still rocking with you now? Yeah, I have a few of them. And a few of them that, that stick around because I've been doing it for, you know, eight years now. So I don't have a client from when I first started because <laughs> anybody that pays $6 is not around. And I actually have one client now who used to come to my free classes when I was training at the school. And Oh, snap. And I used to hate when she was coming because I'm like, damn, I really got to train now. So, <laughs> but by training her, it just made me so more experienced. And I, like I said, I was training at the school. I offer free classes, but I didn't want to train people free all the time. I wanted to make money. But when it came, I serviced them as if they was a paying client. And she came to my free classes about like two years. And then I couldn't train the school no more. She didn't train with me. So I'm like, damn, I did all that. And she's not even trying to. I'm trying to do the upsell. It's not working. <laughs> and then she ended up coming like months later and said she had to get her situation together. And she's like, I'm going to train with you and I'll pay whatever you know you charge. And I gave her that price at the time. And she's just been rocking with me ever since. So that's been about like almost four years now. Wow. So would you say that, would she be able to testify your, your development? Like you still doing the same like the same workouts when it was free? You got like better workouts now? Or? Yo, she still complained like it's the first day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing about her is she try to act like she know me more than everybody else and try to jump the head. And that's when I always switch it up. Like, all right, this is what you're going to do. We're going to do this 20 times instead of 10. And I just keep me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is savage, man. All right, here's my experience, right? So when entrepreneurs say, yo, I only have one of this and one of that, for me, I feel like, KB, every year I always go through a phase where I only have one or two employees that excite me. Not saying the other employees are bad or not saying that they like weren't good employees, but I feel like sometimes as a boss, sometimes we need like a good employee that want us, that makes us want to work hard for them. I feel like sometimes people don't realize that as like being a CEO, being a person, a leader of other people, you sometimes need someone that's going to motivate you to be better, to help them get better. That's one thing that I realized. So like over the years, I've always had people that like, I'm like, you only got one person that excites me. And that was like my mindset. Then what I start realizing is that I need to shift my focus from saying I only have one employee that's excite me to, yo, like Kim, how can you attract more employees that excite me? It's like more of a self-awareness because what I realize is the reason I only have one employee that excites me is maybe because I'm not being excited myself. Mm. So, you know, like one of the things that I've realized is when I hear entrepreneurs say, I only have one of this, one of that, I'm like, bro, like, Maybe look in the mirror, man. Why do you think it's you have such low quantities of whatever the situation is? And I think sometimes we just as entrepreneurs got to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, maybe it's me. Maybe yeah. I got to get better. Now, that's definitely a true fact. I got two questions for you since you said that. So one, what does employee that excites you, what do they look like? 
Like far as in what characteristics do they have? And two, why you just hire employees that excite you? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the boss. You pick them. They don't just fall in your lap. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right. So the characteristics of what I look for someone that's exciting to work with is I just really look for someone that wants more than average, man. I feel like I just can't relate or connect with an employee that just does the bare minimum. If I tell someone like, yo, in order for you to hit your goals, you got to just do, you know, two sales. And if an employee just does two sales and that's it, then I'm like, you're not the one. Like, you're not that person that is going to go above and beyond because I'm the type of person that like, yo, if the expectations of me is to do two sales, I'm like, cool, I'm going to do five because I want to know what the baseline is and I want to set my standards above that. When I have an employee that I guess does more than what's asked of them or go above and beyond and doesn't settle. Those are the employees that excite me because the thing is they don't realize this, bro, but it's, I really be testing them. Like I'd be testing them to see, yo, this is the minimum of what you have to do. And I pay attention to the ones that like actually stick to the minimum versus the one that go above and beyond. Because I've always been the type of person that if I know what the minimum is, I'm like, I'm going to destroy the minimum. Like, I'm not going to settle for that. I think that's one characteristic of an employee that goes above and beyond. And I don't know, I really enjoy employees that like ask more questions, like someone that asks deeper things. If you ask them to do something, they're like, that sounds cool. Like, why do we do it like this? Or they're intuitive. They're trying to understand the meaning behind why things are the way they are. I think sometimes employees, they feel like they're being nosy or whatever, but I'm the type of person I like to understand it. So when an employee does the same, it motivates me to be like, all right, they're trying to understand it. They might be the next guy or girl that I'm going to develop. And then I think the second question you said was, why hire people that don't excite me? And to be honest, I just be like giving people a shot. And most times than not, I always find myself giving people a shot that don't deserve a shot. And it's because like I got a soft spot in my heart because, again, someone gave me a shot as an intern when maybe I don't know if I was like ready for it or if I deserved it or if it was worthwhile for that person, that mentor and coach that invested in me. My philosophy is one in doubt, I'm gonna give them a shot, but then I've been finding myself regret it more and more. You never know. I feel like I'm gonna run into that one person that's gonna be like, I right, it was worth all of the knuckleheads that I had before. It's like a trick question because as an entrepreneur, you gotta take a risk. This time you're just taking risks on people. And you're not going to know how they're going to perform or how they respond to failure. And your job is just try to put them in the best position possible. Yeah. And sometimes it does well and sometimes it backfires. But that comes with the game, you know, like. <laughs> All you need is one, one good one. And then try to just duplicate that. That's a fact. And that's my always my intention. So that's why I always end up finding myself sometimes working with people that I'm not super excited about. But I'm telling you, like. I got another example later on in the episode of where I found one employee, the power of one. One employee changed my whole business and I was able to make almost $40,000, $50,000 extra just by developing and mentoring that employee. So it's a game changer. That's dope. We definitely got to get into that. For the second problem, I tried that once and it didn't work. Deep side here because most people, they reach a high pinnacle and they put a lot of effort into their blood, sweat and tears. Sometimes you get the crown, sometimes you don't. Like our bros say, sometimes you get the beer, sometimes the beer gets you. Facts. <laughs> and I remember investing my energy into training clients for months, like weekly check-ins, meal plans, extra sessions, 
I even sent them my motivation articles that I wrote out. And for all I did all that for them to fall off. <laughs> Wait, you used to write motivational articles? Yeah, man. I was part of one of my clients. She actually had a blog. In the beginning, she needed a fitness expert. And I used to write different articles about fitness and working out and healthy lifestyle, making the better decisions. And I used to take these articles and I used to copy and paste them and send them to my clients in text messages. And I just knew they needed somebody to be in the air or they need to meet somebody to resonate with them with their, their problems and their circumstances. And I went, you know, with an extra mile to try to motivate them. And this is really early on in the beginning stages. I did all that. And for some people, it just didn't work out. They end up falling off. And when they fell off, it, it hurt me because I did all this for nothing. But at the same time, it was just uncontrollable variables. Sometimes it was because of financial issues. So training is the first thing that's going to get cut. That's a luxury. Other times it was because of work. And other times it was because they got pregnant. <laughs> yeah you do train mainly women that makes sense so if they get pregnant then you know it's clipped they not you know training anymore and a lot of times they didn't know they'll hit me up okay B, i'm pregnant i feel like i'm i'm the father i feel bad <laughs> <laughs> but i'm like yo we was doing so good it's, it's life you just can't do nothing about it but that's what really made me want to give up training because i just felt like i had no control over other people's decisions over their you know, financial ability. And I just felt like I didn't have no control. And that's what frustrated me. So I was like, I did that multiple times. I did it more than once and it still didn't work. I told these people verbatim, like, yo, I'm counting on you to get your transformation. So I know I could use that for the next person because people come to me because of the results that they see. Yeah. And it was a tough time for when I quit training probably like, I don't know, probably like two or three times in the last eight years. Just like I was doing it, but I wasn't, my heart and soul wasn't into it. Snap. I never knew that. So would you say, what was the reason of why you like mentally quit? Was it because like you said, it was just the ongoing cycle of like people falling off and not getting the results? Yeah. It was the ongoing cycle of people falling off, giving me their word that they're going to try their best and really stay committed. And I think people fall off, they come back. They fall off, they come back, and the next thing you know, they just vanish. They don't even respond to the messages no more. In my head, it was like I was so you know emotionally attached as my being a, a early business owner. And damn, why would they do that? You know, not say anything, just tell me straight up. I'm that type of person. I'm okay. You telling me the truth. People, that was one thing. And then I flipped to another side where I just looked at people as numbers, and I wasn't even emotionally attached. I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to get as many people as possible because I know 50% of people going to quit, and out of those 50. Maybe 25% might get results and I'm just going to use that. And I wasn't given, I was no passion there. It was just straight analytics of being logistics of like I'm running a Fortune 500 company. And I'm like, yo, this is not going to work. I got to have a balance in between where, you know, separate the business from personal and also realize things happen and just give your all. If this is who you are and this is like people are not going to, you know, share my energy with people. If that's who you are at your core, you can't change that. If you're a giver, if you're you know, a person that smiles all the time, you always want you know, best for the next person, you can't cheat that. You're going to cheat yourself if you're not giving that off. And I was like, you know, I'm just an optimist, so let me just give it all. And I'll never run out of it. And wh whoever receives it the right way, then they receive it. But I'm going to continue to be who I am, and we're going to get these results. It was crazy, man. Every time we talk and we share our different experiences, we always realize how similar they are because bro, it's so crazy. I thought like I was the only one that experienced that. And maybe an entrepreneur listening might feel like they're the only one too, but I could relate to you crazy when you said that you have people that reached out to you. 
they were working out and then all of a sudden vanish no response no text no i'm quitting no nothing and yo like at first i'm like yo what's up did you die is it me did i say something that offended you it really makes you doubt yourself so like any entrepreneur that's listening man if you've ever had a client a customer or whatever the case may be they ghost you don't stress because when you first experience someone ghosting you you won't really take it personal how long would you say kb it took you for you to realize, yo, it ain't me. This is just a part of the game. It took me about a couple of years to figure that out. What made it worse is people come to me and give me their whole life story of why they need to work out and why they need to train. So if somebody come to you, I really need to you know, make a certain amount of money. My family's in a struggle and I'm willing to do whatever, lay. And then three months in, they're just gone. And it's, you gave them all the extra mentorship and books, extra time, lunch <laughs> dates. I actually got something to say about that. Now, I don't give none of my employees no books, bro. No books. And, and here's why. It's because I've been burnt too many times. So in the beginning of entrepreneurship, I have all of these books in my office, man. And I had so many employees that was like, yo, Lay Kim, man, you got any books you would recommend? Would you recommend? And I would always off the muscle be like, yo, no doubt, man, here's this book. Take this book and they read it. And bro, out of 10 employees that I gave a book to that requested it, right? Like, I want to say 10 of them never read it out of 10. <laughs> and then they never gave a book back. And I start analyzing the situation. And I'm like, yo, you know what, bro? If an employee wants a book, I'm going to show them what book they want, but I'm going to tell them to go buy their own. So, bro, like piggybacking off of that, man, like, like something simple like that. I'm just like, I want to see what kind of skin in the game you're willing to put in to develop yourself. Those experiences has helped me look at that differently and probably the same thing for you and any entrepreneur listening is, yo, you got to go through some experiences when you're leading, coaching, increasing sales, whatever the case may be. I always look for a certain level of commitment from a client, a customer, or whatever the case may be, just so I know that they got a little bit of skin in the game too. Feeling that way emotionally also made me change my business should technically. So now I don't just want you to come back because I want to help you. You got to pay me up front. <laughs> you got to pay me up front. This is the time frame, the duration of your package. If you don't use it in that time frame, then your sessions expire. And now it's a different ball game. Y'all miss you, but you ain't getting this money back. <laughs> You're not going to waste my time. So that's also why I want entrepreneurs to understand. It's like, we are humans. We do feel things. You can change the policies in your business. Like right now, you can make amendments and you can let people know, listen, this is what it's going to be going forward. How many times are you going to get burnt to realize, yo, this, this shit hurts. So it's, you got to make some changes. And once I started doing that, the cancellation started to slow down. The makeup started to slow down. Now at the point where people were like, nah, before I go, I want to make sure I get my life together before I come to you. Yeah. Because they know I, I value helping people and I have to try to help people in the fastest amount of time. So if you BS for two weeks, your body could have been changed in that time frame. Now it's, it's a little bit different. It's like, all right, you leaving? Okay. You know what? I think I've heard a lot of some of my mentors and coaches say this. And it was like, yo, what kind of business do you want to run? Do you want to run a hospital or do you want to run an army? And I feel like in the beginning stages of entrepreneurship, KB, we was running hospitals, bro. They coming in, their life is all messed up. And we just putting a Band-Aid on it, assuming that's going to fix the situation. And 
it's so far from it. That's definitely a perfect example. I like that analogy. Yeah, when I heard that the first time, it really connected. All right, let me share with you my experience, bro. So when an entrepreneur said, I tried that once and it didn't work. Bro, back in 2017, I actually tried virtual recruiting because someone presented the idea of, yo, Lay, you should try virtual recruiting because you could get your time back in the morning. What you do is you pre-record a video and then instead of actually doing the interview, you send that interview to the candidates and they'll respond, record their responses to you. And then I watch the video at my time. So I did that for six months and I got horrible results. Like <laughs> it was one of the worst decisions I've made. But bro, again, the power of one is so crucial because I did recruit one girl from that virtual recruiting process. And I got that girl promoted into a management position. So yes, I had horrible results for six months, but I did find one diamond in the rough out of that whole experience. And then I want to say fast forward into 2020, I did virtual recruiting again. And this time around, I grew my office up to 40 people during COVID. And virtual recruiting was one of the best experiences that I ever had. Because what I realized for us as entrepreneurs, time and plays a huge role in everything we do. And our actual skill set plays a huge role. So in 2017, yeah, virtual recruiting sucked, but maybe it was because my skill set was low. And maybe people in my market, it was so new. No one is, if it's an interview, we do interviews face to face. This was before COVID was even a thing. And then again, you fast forward three years later and then virtual recruiting, that's the way everybody's doing it. That's crazy. That's another analogy that we have familiar because with my app, I dropped it in 2018 and people was like, oh, that's dope. I want to come to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> sure, training, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't something like, yo, you could get really results from. It's like more like a supplement. You could just maintain. And I had people, you know, use it. I had people like be consistent with it. And it wasn't until I had one client to actually get results from, yo, this actually can work. And that gave me the belief system because I know the program works. I use on my clients, but I never had nobody virtually just follow the program and use it. And I started to make adjustments to certain workouts. I asked her about her feedback, like from using, like, how did that work out for you? Was this hard or was this easy? And I was very trying to be informative about it. And I think as entrepreneurs, it's always good to ask that feedback from your client, your employees. You need that. Just because you did something, don't just think, all right, you know, it's done already. I'm good. I have to make no changes. When you make those changes, it's going to make it even better. And now, back in 2020, I had more transformations from my virtual clients than my in-person clients. No way. I'm serious. Not only more transformations, but even more dramatic because the belief was there. And my marketing up my motivation and just being more accountable for people. And it's amazed me to this day. And I said, oh, this is what I essentially want. I want to train a few 30, 40 people, but I want to appear to the masses. In order for me to do that, I got to make sure my program is solid. It's all about the timing of being as an entrepreneur. You might do it and it might not work. But if you stay at it years from now, that might be the only thing that we can do. But you can't see people face to face now. So you have to do it virtually. So it's just all about the adaptation and being prepared for it. Even the next obstacle, you even know you're prepared for it. Bro, that's so true. And again, you know, we're really trying to hammer home to our entrepreneurs, man, is yo, 
just because you tried it once doesn't mean anything, bro. It's like you trying a, a food when you're a kid, bro. And then you're like, yo, I hate onions or I hate pickles or whatever the case may be just because of that one experience as a kid. And then, bro, later on in life, you're like, yo, that's not as nasty as I thought. So you adapt, your taste buds change, your skill sets change. There's so many variables that change over time. I want the entrepreneurs to get that, man. One experience that don't go don't mean it's a forever thing. Major facts, bro. The third problem, I did that once, but I'm not sure if I could do that again. I think the second worst feeling besides losing the championship is being fearful that you'll never get there again, aka Dirk Nowinski. That's exactly how I felt when I sold my first house. Similar to having like a superb business where you make the most you ever made in a year, the grunt work that I had to put in to sell my house, the first house that I was and the reason was so hard because I didn't even know what I was doing. Of course, I'm not going to know what I'm doing because it's my first time. And I think we have to realize those certain things. If you hit a certain type of pinnacle or milestone, it's going to be hard the first time because it's new. It's a new experience. Like people always say, you can't never be prepared for marriage because it's new. And you have to understand when you're in business and you reach something and you reach it in fear and anxiety is going to come, comes with the challenge. And once you win the crown, yo, how can I do this? There's so much pressure on me to do this again, so many people have this expectation of me. And that's why people shy away. And if you understand that's coming with it, you don't know how it's gonna come, then it will make you a better business person, a better entrepreneur, because you're preparing yourself for the unknown. And I think it's very important to move like that and understand that on the mental aspect of things. Cause a lot of people, they don't just stop being great. It's just that their mental stopped being great. And once their mental is going, then their whole you know mantra is going. Bro, that's so true. So you said like when you sold your first house, you felt like you wasn't going to be able to sell it again. Why? Because it, it was just so hard far as in to understanding like the documents of what is needed, understanding what's the, the steps in the process. My broker wasn't doing nothing for me. Like she, <laughs> she just threw me out there. Only thing I knew is how to service people. That was the only thing that kept me. I literally remember my client asking me things during open house. Now I pull up to the inside the bathroom and Google it. <laughs> <laughs> what does FHA mean? What do we need for closing? What is this about? And it's things I, I took to pass the test. You pass the test, but it's like you, when you get your license, like you get your license, but that doesn't mean you know how to drive. <laughs> it's the same thing when it came to real estate. Like I understood. I know how to you know do multiple choice. I'm good test taker. It's always C. But when it came to real life experience, it's like, yo, you don't want to mess up you know, certain numbers or you don't want to mess up certain uh, policies because your client is looking at you as the expert. So I'm like, yo, this is very hard. I basically got a 65, but I got paid <laughs> at the end of the day. But I don't know if I could do this again because I was just showing this person houses from, I think, from, from June to August or June or July. And we tried to get a house, fell through. The lawyer went on vacation. The other lawyer went on vacation. The list of agent went on vacation. My broker never showed me how to put in an offer. She went on vacation. Oh, damn. So it was so many trials and tribulations. I'm like, yo, this is the most money I've ever made from one particular thing. But I look at the time span. I'm like, yo, is this really worth it? You know, five, 5,000 over four or five months. If I do this again, would it be the same? And that was the only thought that kept me going. Like, yeah, I think it won't be as bad. I still stuff I got to learn, but I don't think it's going to be bad next time. Let me try it again because getting that type of check and that most amount of money I ever had before, it was different. And it also helping somebody buying their first house, it was great sentimental value as well. It was like, yo, I want to be there one day. I just had to really take a self-reflection like, yo, you got to pick it back up and you got to remember why you started. 
what about training? You ever had a, a really overweight client and they lost some weight and you're like, yo, I don't know how I'm going to do this again. Like you ever had a client like that? Yeah, I would say I just felt like it was easier. I was able to do it again. But when it came to sculpting, making somebody get a bigger butt or smaller waist, that way I was like, I don't know if I could do this again. And that was actually with Shaw. When Shaw used my virtual program and I see her do it, it went crazy. Like it literally went viral. To this day, people still sharing the pictures and thinking it's fake. And in my head, I'm like, yo, I know I could do this again, but I just got to find somebody who has that belief. It took her for seven months to do it because she kept starting quitting. And when she actually did consistently, you know, I took the pictures and I put it together. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. This is my fiance. Look here. And people think <laughs> she got her body done. I'm like, we ain't got money for that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> people report my picture or saying like, I have to take it down because like I posted it with a fitness page and they said they had to take it down because it was getting too many mixed reviews. A lot of people was excited about it. A lot of people thought it was fake. So by me helping her, it just made me sit down like, nah, I just got one chip. I got to do this again. I know I, this is real. Like people, a lot of people don't think, or women, I should say, don't think they can change their body through working out and still look feminine. And I wanted to attack that so much. I said, nah, I'm going to help everybody. And now that's what I'm known for. That's my niche. I help women to be fit without losing their curves. So it's like that one particular moment by helping Shah. It led to me motivating to make my programs today and you know, be a successful business owner. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the power of one, man. That's how important it is, bro. So I think that's why I wanted you to bring that point home for our listeners to know, yo, one person, even though it felt like, yo, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be able to recreate this result. You just kept your head down and you kept going after it. And that's real similar to like my problem, bro, or my experience. So it's so funny, bro. We have so many of the same experiences. And just so the listeners know, intentionally before the episode, we don't tell each other about what our experience is going to be. So it could be natural and we could just flow off of each other. So my experience is similar. Like in, in sales, bro, I remember when I hit my pinnacle of the most sales my team has ever done. And I remember that most sales my team ever done in a week was 140 sales in a week face-to-face. Now, I know a lot of people may like, ah, 140 sales, that's not like that much. But when you talk about residential sales, face-to-face impulse, no appointments, like no business cards, like I'm just talking like, yo, we get customers excited and we sign them up and we never go back. That kind of level, it was crazy. Say entrepreneurs, think about the people you slam the door on. And then that's my team coming in closing, like left and right, because like I get them prepared for that. Then I remember my best day in business, bro. I think my team and I, we did 37 sales in one day. We did about $4,000 in one day, which with all the profits and stuff, that's really about six bands in a day. And then the week that we did 140 sales in one week, that was equivalent to about $30,000 $30,000 in a week is what my company generated. What season was that in? It was probably summertime, like beginning of summer. I want to say probably like April or right before summer started, I should say. And it was like, we, we always say the best time where, you know, residential sales, we normally hit our peak is during May recruiting. That's when people graduate school, graduate college. The weather is nice. It's not too hot yet. So us entrepreneurs, what we try to do in residential sales is we try to gear our team up to have a strong enough team going into May recruiting. Because if you can have a strong team going into May recruiting, you can make, I think my best summer, I probably did 400,000 or 300,000. No, probably 300,000 in a summer. And it was like, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I'm not going to hold you. I haven't done those numbers again since I did it. 
But one thing that I know is once I revamp my systems, I believe that those records are going to be broken again. They will because 140 sales in a week, I can't wait until you and I were able to record an episode. And I'm like, yo, KB, we broke that record. Or 37 sales in one day, I'm going to be like, yo, bro, we did 50 sales in a day. I want to document that with this episode to let people know yet, like, Last time I did that was 2018. We in 2021 now, and I haven't touched those numbers since. 2021, we touching them. And I think I just want entrepreneurs to know, man, like I did that once, but I'm not sure if I could do it again. All you got to do is restructure the systems for it. Because again, I'm a firm believer. If you do it once, you could do it again, as long as you recalibrate and you get intentional. Yo, before we get into the takeaways, I was watching a video yesterday that really moved me. Uh, entrepreneur from Atlanta, his name is Marcus Barney, aka Him500 on IG. And he said, entrepreneurs, they have to learn, we all got to go through the scammer stage. Very polarizing, but there's a reason behind it. The scammer stage is the level where you have to prove yourself were results because no one knows you or trusts you. And to get past that stage, you have to start with one. So it has to be that one client that you can cater to or that one employee that's going to you know, actually believe in you. Because when you start off, nobody knows you know, why they should come to you. Like they don't know you. They, there's no trust there. So you have to build that with just that one conversation. So don't go through this stage purposely and understand that people are not just going to claim to you because you say, I have a business. Everybody has a business. But in order to you be thoroughbred entrepreneur, you have to go through this stage and prove yourself with results. And yeah. it starts with one. Wow. That's true, man. And that makes me think of a quote that I told myself as I was getting into entrepreneurship is I was like, yo, like Kim, I want to be able to walk into a room and not have to introduce myself. And for me, when I get to that point, I'm going to feel like I've made it. In the beginning stages of entrepreneurship, I walk into a room and everyone's like, who the hell are you? Like, you are nobody. Nobody knows who you are. Or I walk into a room and people wouldn't recognize me. And that experience of not being known by anybody, that really motivated me because I'm like, yo, all I got to do is have one good week, one good month, one good year. And then my name is going to start buzzing. And then once it starts buzzing, I'm going to make sure people know who I am. So next time I walk into that room, but yeah, no, like that's a big thing that like really resonated with me is I, I vowed to myself that the next time I walk into a room, people are going to know who I am without me introducing myself. So let's jump into these solutions, man. I'm excited. The solution to I only have, you know, one client, one employee or one sale is to appreciate that one. Treat that one if they are your own flesh and blood in the beginning, you got to learn from that one transaction or service. You have to give them your all to understand what's missing or what's needed and be transparent with this client or employee to give you their feedback. More importantly, you got to ask for the referral. Yep. After you service them and you help them, there's one person, ask them for a referral. So my takeaway is appreciate that one. Yeah, bro. And the reason why appreciating them is so important is because, yo, man, like the importance of taking care of that one person and finding a way to multiply it or add to it is going to change your whole outcome of your business results. Here's my solution for that problem. I wrote this down. Entrepreneurs, look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, why do I really have one employee, one client or one sale? You know why? It's because you attract what you are. One quote I heard one of my coaches 
say to me? And this quote hurt my feelings, KB. And but I never forgot it. And, and that's what I want my entrepreneurs to remember with this quote. And I needed to hear this too. My coach told me, she said, yo, Lay Kim, you are where you are because of who you are. And what you mean by that? No, I'm not here because of who I am. I'm here because of people suck or they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And then she's like, nah, Lay Kim, the reason why you are where you are is because of the person in the mirror. So my entrepreneurs, remember this, you are where you are because of who you are. And when you understand that, you never going to just be, you never just going to have one client or one employee. KB and like, we refuse to ever go back to having just one employee or just having one client that we're trained. Like, it's just not going to happen because we're better. We've become better and we're going to continue to attract that. Definitely agree. And when you give so much value, it always comes back. It's always reciprocal. For the um, second problem, I tried that once and it didn't work. My solution is find one reason. You have to reset and pivot. Drop all your problems and bring your why to the table. You got to think, why are you even being an entrepreneur in the first place? Why are you even started doing this? Like your why is going to pull you to send that one text, that one call, that one email to lead to that one deal. Like you literally need one yes to change your whole situation. So you have to find a reason to keep going. Just because it didn't work out, that's not good enough. Like you got to go back to why you started and why you are even an entrepreneur. Why you even call yourself entrepreneur. Because nobody's going to call you that. You have to call yourself that first. Yeah. Because they're just going to be like, yo, he's just doing something. Or she's just <laughs> always doing something. You got to really solidify what it, an entrepreneur is to you. And it's a person that's consistent. It's not going to continue to, it's not going to give up no matter how many challenges they face. That's the thoroughbred entrepreneur. And they make money. Like, you're not just doing stuff and not making no money. <laughs> yeah, bro. There's a phase to do charitable work and there's a phase to make profits. And you don't want to cross those two. You got to know what time it is. I mess with that um, solution a lot. And the one that I got for that same problem is I want my entrepreneurs to know this. Don't let one bad experience stop you from being the best version of yourself. The best thing about life is that as time passes, you figure out different ways to accomplish the same task. And what I mean by that is your skill level might not be ready for that plan of attack. But in a year, that same plan that didn't work when you were a rookie might be your advantage when your skill level has increased. And I want my entrepreneurs to be understand this. It didn't work because your skill level was low, but that don't mean it was the plan. But mm -hmm. as you get better, you could use that same plan. And if your skill level is matched and ready for that, your execution is going to be different. I like that. That's definitely a different perspective. I actually going to take consideration to that because I feel like I beheaded myself so many times. For the third problem, I did that once, but I'm not sure if I could do it again. My solution is one more time for the culture. As a solo entrepreneur, you don't know how many people you inspire on a daily. Your fam, your friends, strangers are even living through you. They are inspired just how you were inspired you know, by your favorite athlete, musician, teacher, or mentor. Imagine if they quit after reaching a big milestone. You probably want to be an entrepreneur now. So don't stop. Keep going. If you achieve the, the chip one time and you feel like, yo, I can't do it again. Yes, you can. You just have to adapt, change your systems a little bit, change the, play the players on your team, get rid of some people, hire some yeah. new people. Eventually, you're going to get there again, and it's, it's going to be much easier. And I, I think that's why LeBron keeps going to the championship. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because he knows how to pick the people around him and he's always the biggest factor. So it's the same thing for our entrepreneurs is, yo, you are the biggest factor. You just got to know how to pick the right team around you. My last solution for my entrepreneurs, man, is KB. I was watching a Netflix documentary about the best coaches. I think it was called The Playbook. I heard a, a coach say this quote and she said, mountaintops are small and the air is thick. Thin. And when I first heard that KB, I was like, what the hell does that mean? I just, that quote just sounded really weird to me. And what she was referring to is when you play at a high level, when you hit a certain pinnacle, you're on a mountaintop. And when you're on a mountaintop, it's you by yourself. And the way that I interpret that is when you're on the top of your game, it's meant for you to enjoy the view, take it all in, remember the feeling of being in that moment, then you climb back down the mountain and then you chase that feeling all over again. And that's what it is to accomplish your best accomplishment, your best achievement. You have to get to your pinnacle, know what it feels like to be at your pinnacle, realize that you're not going to be on your top of your game forever. Then you work your way back down and then you work your way back up to the top. And KB, that's what I'm chasing right now. I'm chasing the feeling and the money and everything that I experienced in 2018. And that's what keeps me going is because I experienced it. I touched it once. I know what I'm able to do. Remember that quote, everyone. And I'll say it one more time. Now it might make sense. Mountaintops are small and the air is thin. And I think once you really let that sink in, you're going to understand that, yo, I don't care if I did that once, I know for sure I could do it again. That was touching right there. Like my final say is don't underestimate the power of one. One creative idea is what got you to take this entrepreneurial path in the first place. Think about the very first time you got paid for doing something you love. You were astonished. It was the fact that you believed and it actually happened. Yeah, we have bills and major responsibilities and taxes now as a business owner. Let's not forget the reason that woke us up early that kept us up at night. And that's being an entrepreneur. And you guys have to understand that this is what you want and it's not gonna be easy. And everybody else around you may not understand, but we here understand and we want you to keep going. Entrepreneurhood. The reason we created this podcast is so we could let entrepreneurs know that, yo, we experience what you experience. We get it. Most people that's not like us won't get it. And my final takeaway is very similar to what you said, KB. Never underestimate the impact one happy or motivated employee or client could do for your business. Because as an entrepreneur, you got to be more to attract more. And once you understand that, the power of one is going to change your business. So entrepreneurs, take that one employee, that one client, the one sale that you have, and use that to multiply your business and you're gonna fall in love with the journey of what entrepreneurship has to offer. Entrepreneurhood. Anyone can start, but only champions finish. Now that you've completed this episode, you're ready to continue your journey by connecting directly with our hosts of Entrepreneurhood. Follow us on Instagram at The Entrepreneurhood to stay updated with the community. For each episode, the first set of listeners to tag us on Instagram and leave a five-star review will be entered into a drawing to get a free one-on-one -on -one coaching session on the topic of entrepreneurship with our hosts. Remember, there is no shame in struggling because we fail, we grow, and we win right here on Entrepreneurhood.